finance. Shit's about to get real. Cashflow King with you today. And in today's Get Your Money Right segment, disability insurance. Why should you give a shit? Thanks so much for tuning into the show. As always, we really, truly appreciate it. I'm not sure if we're going to have a full-length episode this week when this Get Your Money Right segment is published. And so I'm going to do a quick announcement here at the beginning of this Get Your Money Right segment, and then we'll get right into it. So this actually came in. I don't normally, believe it or not, check these. I just so happened to be on my phone one day, and I had clicked on the podcast and noticed that we still have five out of five stars for ratings, which is excellent. I wish we had more people that would rate the show, preferably five stars. But I noticed that there was a new review that looks like it actually came in on January 29th of 2024. And I hadn't noticed this previously, otherwise I would have made an announcement and read the review prior to recording today's Get Your Money Right segment. And so I wanted to take a minute just to read this and mention just truly how appreciative we are, I am, for people that leave reviews like this. I would be lying if I told you that I've never had the thought of shutting the show down before just because the engagement level isn't quite what I had hoped it would be at this point. So yes, we're in 41 countries and growing and that's appreciated. We continue to monitor the locations in the U.S. that are climbing up the charts in terms of listenership and we appreciate that as well. We have some premium subscribers. Premium! Or premium members for the podcast and as always we really do appreciate your support but as far as folks emailing the show and leaving reviews for the show and just general levels of engagement sometimes that seems to be lacking so I just wanted to take a minute to mention that because this particular review that we received this is absolutely why we keep going and what motivates me to keep recording so Shout out to the, the name of this person that came through with the review is All Audio Everything. They gave a five-star review for the show. Again, much appreciated. And here's what they said. I'm not going to lie. I'm not super interested in finances. But this guy easily explains some things that everyone should know and makes it interesting. The guests also seem knowledgeable and have some good perspectives that they add will continue to listen. So thanks again to All Audio Everything for posting that review. If you feel the same or a similar way, we welcome your feedback. Feel free to leave us a five-star review if you feel like we've earned it, and that would be much appreciated. It's a way to signal to the show without even having to send an email or become a premium subscriber or anything like that, just letting us know, hey, you know what? Like, I'm listening to this shit and it actually matters and normally I don't give a fuck about this but I kind of do now because you know it's somewhat interesting and entertaining and as we always say that's the goal of the show right we want to be educational but we also want to be entertaining and really try to provide value to those of you that are listening to the podcast so thanks again to all audio everything again we appreciate that review and if you feel like we've earned it please leave your own as well so Without further ado, let's get into today's topic, which is disability insurance. And wah, 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 I know that's not everyone's favorite. So I'm going to try to make it fairly quick. But uh, I had to throw in the, you know, why should you give a shit in the title of the show so that maybe more people would listen? Because if I just put disability insurance, that's a pretty easy one to skip. 
And quite frankly, if it were me and I was listening to the show myself as a listener and not as a podcast host, I might skip the show and say, well, fuck this. I, I already know what I need to know about that. But maybe you do, maybe you don't. But I think the, the biggest thing with disability insurance, which we'll get into, is the likelihood that a lot of us may need it at some point in time. So I went through did a little bit of digging and a little bit of research and preparation for today's show and came across a few different things that I thought were worth mentioning. So the, the first thing is according to the Council for Disability Awareness and their website is disabilitycanhappen.org, O-R-G, the average duration of a long-term disability claim is 34.6 months, so almost three years. And as far as, where did it go? I had something else here too as well. Yeah, here we go. This article, probably should have started with this one. This one was in June, published in June of 2020 from the Office of the Chief Actuary from the Social Security Administration. And this came out of Baltimore, Maryland. And they said that for somebody that's born in the year 2000, for example, they have between the age of 20 and their normal retirement age, which I don't know exactly what they use, but I'm going to guess at that point for Social Security purposes anyway, it would be age 67 under current law. Um, I know a lot of retirement plans will use a different age of age 65, but pretty much between the time you're 20 and a quote unquote old person, don't get mad at me, those out there that are over 60, right? You have about a 25% chance of becoming disabled between the age of 20 and the time you retire in your, in your mid 60s. 25% chance of disability. However, for the same age bracket, you only have a 13% chance of dying. So basically becoming disabled is almost twice as likely just based on those numbers alone than actually passing away prematurely. Everybody knows and talks about, we've done several shows, including on the Get Your Money Right segment about life insurance. Not a lot of people talk about disability insurance. It's one of those things that it's like, nah, I'll be okay. Nah, that's not going to happen to me, right? And if it does, I'll make it work. I'll figure something out. And, you know, maybe that's the case. But I think more and more people really need to think more about disability insurance. According to an article in, it looks like June 29th of 2022 from Pattern Life. And I don't know that I believe this, but this is what it says. That less than 15% of Americans have disability coverage, which seems extremely low to me. So anyway, that's what I want to talk about really briefly here today. Most people are going to get disability insurance if you're working for an organization and they offer benefits, more than likely through your employer. And there are typically, and by the way, I'm not an expert in disability insurance. You know, that's not something that, that we offer to clients, but it is something that I am a consumer of. And no, I don't like it. I do pay for it every single fucking paycheck and it stings a little bit. But at the same time, I know from personal experience many years ago, I actually went on short-term disability. And thankfully at the time, the company I worked for at the time had 100% coverage pretty much from day one. I think I was out for maybe three to four months at the time. I was in a pretty bad skiing accident. And I got full pay for the entire time that I was out. And ironically, at that time, I was in my early 20s and wasn't as financially stable, right? And I did some dumb shit, quite frankly. You know, I had a, an apartment that I was paying rent, and, you know, being who I am, I negotiated it down a little bit. And uh, the rent was reasonable based on where I was living at the time. But I had a car, quite frankly, that I probably couldn't afford at the time when I initially bought it. And I had a pretty hefty car payment. And, you know, all the other expenses that go along with life. I was younger. My car insurance was more. I was still putting money away in my retirement plan. So that took a big chunk out. So 
the list goes on and on. But the point is, I was not very financially stable. In fact, I'd have to go back and look at a spreadsheet or something. I'm sure I have it logged somewhere. But if I had to guess off the top of my head, I highly doubt I had a six-month emergency fund at that time. I might have had a couple months max, one or two months max. So this actually came in handy for me and allowed me to continue to be able to pay my bills, make my car payment, pay my rent at the time. And I was glad that I had it. And quite frankly, it was something that you just kind of sign up for without really even thinking about during your open enrollment period. And I'm sure I just, you know, kind of went with the flow like, oh, yeah, this is provided by the company. You know, I don't think I bought any extra at the time. And I was very, very fortunate that it was there and it was there in the capacity that it was, as we'll talk about here briefly. Most of the time, you cannot get 100% coverage of your pay, or at least for long-term disability, you can't. Short-term, oftentimes you can, or at least for a period of time. So anyway, there's two different types of coverages, right? So there's short-term disability, as the name says, it's generally going to be shorter in nature. Long-term disability is for something that's going to be lasting over a certain period of time, both of which are typically offered by your employer if you are self-employed or you own a business or it's not something that you can easily get group coverage on, which we'll also touch on here momentarily. You can also go out into the marketplace and buy an individual policy. And there's a lot of people that do that. And similar to life insurance, right? There's merits to potentially having both. So let's talk about this. I took a look actually at our current benefit package here where I'm working now, and the employer provides automatically $2,500 per month of long-term disability coverage. And then you have the option to buy extra if you wanna buy extra, and they will let you purchase up to 60%. We call it a 60% buy up. So you can pay additional money out of every paycheck to make sure that up to 60% of your pay would be covered. Um, so they're essentially what they don't want, what the insurance companies don't want, is somebody that says, well, I'm just gonna load up on disability insurance and buy 250% of my income so that if I ever go on disability, I have zero incentive to get back to work. That's not the goal, right? The goal is to have protection that's there for you in the event that you need it. And as we just talked about, there's a you know somewhat higher likelihood that you could need this, right? Basically a one in four chance that you might need this coverage at some point in time. So personally, I do buy extra. Uh, that's on the long-term disability side. <clears throat> as far as short-term disability, every company is gonna be different. The way that my organization does it is you have short-term disability for up to 26 weeks. So as is common in many policies, they will have what's called an elimination period which is basically the period of time that they say, fuck you, you don't get any money um, until you've met that elimination period. So we haven't talked about it yet, and we may or may not on the show, but like, for example, long-term care insurance policies, which is a whole separate topic, oftentimes will have a 90-day elimination period, right? Every type of insurance is gonna be different. Obviously, the longer of an elim elimination period there is, the lower the premium would be, and the sooner the coverage kicks in, the shorter of an elimination period that there is, generally the higher the premium is going to be. So our particular short-term disability policy, which is paid for by the company, we have a seven-day unpaid elimination period. Now for those that have PTO, right, they can choose to use that so that they still are getting paid for that seven-day period. It's a little complicated for those of us that are advisors working on commission uh, where we don't accrue PTO. We pretty much do whatever the hell we want and take off when we want to take off. And so we would actually be out, I would be out for that seven full day period completely unpaid, right? And obviously, if you've been following along the show and you've been listening to the show for a while, we've talked about all types of things with emergency funds and emergency savings and all that kind of shit. That's where some of that stuff would, would kick into place. But that's essentially for the first week 
Then for a period of eight weeks after that, so basically two months, we are paid 100% of our pay, which is kind of nice. And then after that, once you get to basically week 10 through week 26, it drops down to 80%. So this is on short-term disability, right? So just for a handful, basically, of months, this is what we have. Yours, more than likely, will be somewhat similar, but it could vary drastically. So if you're not sure, and quite frankly, in, in full disclosure, I wasn't sure. I knew that I buy the max I can buy for long-term, which we'll get into next. And I knew that I had short-term provided by the company, but I honestly didn't know what the payout structure was, if you want to call it that, what the benefit would be if I went on short-term disability. So I actually had to go into our benefits portal and take a look at that and print it out in preparation for today's show. So with that said, action item number one, should you choose to accept it, is check it out. Go to your benefits package and see what type of short-term disability coverage you have, if anything. Is that something that your company pays for? Is that something that you can elect during open enrollment? Is it something that you should be thinking about going forward if you don't have it? And some people will say, well, if I have to pay for it and I have an emergency fund for six months, then I don't need it. And you can argue both sides of that coin for short-term disability. I'm not gonna get overly caught up in that. I do think it's still something that's nice to have because I'm sure there's going to be other expenses that surface with that and you might want those emergency funds for those items. So it is nice to have the insurance coverage. But yeah, you can make an argument, hey, if I have a pretty robust emergency fund, fuck short-term disability, it's only gonna be for a handful of months, maybe six months or so, give or take a little bit anyway, so I don't really need it. I don't know that I agree with that, but I'm not gonna argue with that all that much because you could make that argument. The bigger of the two and the more expensive of the two and the one that can have potentially the greatest financial impact is gonna be long-term disability. And as the name says, this is going to be for something that is longer term in nature. So maybe you've exhausted your short-term disability benefits and you can't return to work, then your long-term disability coverage would kick in. Now, a lot of times for any of this, really, there's gonna be some proof of disability that's required. There might be a separate approval process. You might have to get a letter from your physician and so on and so forth. Check the requirements of your benefits administrator for the particular policies that you might have. But this is something that's going to provide you with, again, a longer term benefit. And they're all gonna work a little bit differently. You know, Especially if you were to buy this on your own, you might be able to buy a policy where you have a certain amount of coverage. Maybe you get two to three years of coverage, or you might get one of the most robust policies, which is probably gonna be one of the most expensive policies where it's gonna cover you up until a quote unquote defined retirement age or normal retirement age, which a lot of times would be age 65 in, in a lot of cases. Uh, so you can take a look at something like that. Do you necessarily need that? I don't know, maybe, maybe not. What if you're not able to work pretty much early on in your career for the rest of your career? That's pretty serious, but that's also something that you might wanna be thinking about. And quite frankly, when I look at our benefits package and what they have listed in it for long-term disability, ironically, it actually doesn't tell me, it doesn't tell us how long that long-term disability policy would be in effect for. Is it one year? Is it two years? Is it until retirement, right? It's, it's almost seemingly intentionally somewhat vague. And quite frankly, that's something I'm gonna put on my to-do list just to kind of find out, hey, you know, just out of curiosity, our long-term disability, how long is that coverage, you know, how long would that last assuming you had, you know, uh, 
proof of the disability and you actually qualified to go on claim, like what does that look like? So that's an action item for me and potentially an action item for you. So number one, again, check on short-term disability. Who's paying for it? Do you have it? And how much does it pay? And what, you know, what is the payout? How does, how was that structured? Like I just told you for us, you got the elimination then hundred percent, then 80% yours could be something similar. And then number two, and this is a takeaway for me as well. What about long-term disability? Did you buy extra? How much extra can you buy? How much did you buy? What, you know, what are your expenses look like? What are you anticipating that that needs to be? And I would say for most people, they probably want to go ahead and buy the maximum that they can, which by the way, not tax advice, but if you're paying for the long-term disability premiums with after-tax dollars, which I personally am, then if you were to go on claim and receive disability benefits, insurance benefits, those benefits would be tax-free. Just a little fun fact. So that would be number two. Check out your long-term disability and how long is the policy and you know, can you buy extra? Did you buy extra? How much is that costing you? And again, is that something you need to evaluate during your next open enrollment period? So we got long-term disability. Okay. Now, for those that, again, don't have access through a group, you might want to look at individual policies. And even for those that do have access through a group, especially if you're high income or you have a very focused career. So for example, if you're a surgeon that works a lot with your hands and that's how you make your living, and yes, you could probably get another job in the medical field, but it's not an actual job as a surgeon. And so if something happened to your hands, let's say, for example, maybe you're not able to do that same job and make that same level of income. And so you want to know what that looks like. And I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but if you are a high paid professional or, you know, whether it's being a surgeon or an athlete or, or something like that, you want to look into, you know, policies that would be any occupation versus own occupation. In other words, does it pay out if you simply cannot do your own occupation that you are used to doing? So again, using the example of a surgeon, if you're a surgeon and you're no longer able to be a surgeon, but you can still be a healthcare professional in a different capacity. Well, if you have a policy that's for own occupation, you know, that might provide coverage because you can no longer be a surgeon versus any occupation. They say, well, yeah, maybe you're, you know, disabled to the point where you can't use your hands for surgery anymore, but you're still knowledgeable enough to be a medical professional in a different capacity. Yes, the, the pay might be lower, but you can do another occupation. So that policy, for example, may not pay out if it's any occupation. Hey, you, can you do anything? Sure. Okay. Well, that's reasonable. So maybe you're not able to go on claim. And as you might imagine, the premiums, the cost for those different types of policies could be different. So again, if you're in one of those narrow fields uh, where you're highly specialized and extremely high income, chances are somebody already came to talk to you about this. But if not, uh, this is something that you may want to look into in addition to any group coverage that you might have, right? So that's something to, to be thinking about. And by the way, for group coverage, another kind of neat example, and this came up one time back in the day where there was a dental office that did not have any group coverage or disability insurance coverage for any of their uh, employees, right? So the dentist didn't have anything, uh, or at least on, on the group side, the dental hygienist didn't have anything, the dental assistants didn't have anything, and I believe it was something as few as three people. If three or more people at the same workplace were able and willing to sign up for disability insurance, then they could actually kind of craft their own and come up with their own 
sort of group structure and get the group rates, which is typically going to be significantly cheaper than buying an individual policy depending on how you structure it. So again, I personally, I don't sell disability insurance. There was a very short window of time where we could. It was not ever a focus of mine, but I do understand its importance. So if this is something that you're looking into, you want to make sure that you're meeting with a knowledgeable insurance professional and asking some of these clarifying questions. I think for most people, simply getting it through their employer and getting the group coverage and buying extra is probably sufficient. Again, not advice. Do your own due diligence. Consult with your own professionals. Think about your situation and whatnot. But I think for a lot of people, that's probably sufficient. You just don't want to be caught without it. And then also, if your you know, finances are not very robust and you don't have a lot of assets and a lot of emergency funds and income sources and things of that nature, then you know you uh, you might all the more reason to uh, to look into getting it. Now, if you're retired or approaching retirement, right, and you're going to have other sources of income from things like pensions and social security and retirement account distributions and things like that, and if you were disabled the very next day, it wouldn't matter because you're not having to earn income, right? You're not having to earn wages to produce income to live. Well, then this becomes less and less important for you. I don't want to say it's irrelevant because it's, it's, it's not, but it might be something that you, you know, feel like you don't need in that, ex in that case, in that example. And that's, that seems reasonable to me as well. So it's not going to be for everybody, but I think for most people that are early career, mid career, possibly even late career to some degree and capacity, that something that you want to look into. Okay. All right. So we have that. Let me see if I missed anything on my notes here. I don't think I did. I know we're getting a little bit long here. I guess oh, the only other thing that I came across and I think is worth mentioning, and we'll do another episode about how to access your statement on this, but for Social Security, you know, there's different types of benefits. There's retirement benefits. There's also disability benefits. And these are generally very difficult to qualify for. It's not impossible, but most of the time, from what I've gathered, most people are at least initially declined. And sometimes you might have to appeal, and they're very, very particular about their definition of disability. So you may be able to collect disability benefits from one of these group policies or individual policies that I mentioned, and yet not qualify for social security disability benefits. And there was actually an article, this was right around COVID, but this was a uh, from CBS News. It was a Money Watch article from August of 2020 and the title of the article was almost 110,000 Americans died while waiting for a social security disability hearing. These were people that had uh, submitted an appeal. They were initially declined and you know, basically they ended up passing away before they ever got a chance to plead their case for why they needed uh, social security disability benefits. Now, obviously that was during the peak of COVID and all that sort of thing. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But the point is, you know, sometimes people will say, well, you know, I qualify, I would qualify for social security disability. I don't need another private policy from an insurance company. And you may want to think twice about that if that's you, right? So uh, just something else to think about. All right. I think that's all I have for today. Again, thank you very much for tuning into the show. Please feel free to leave us a five-star review with some comments. We will be happy to read those on the air. Even if we get it, hopefully we don't, but even if we get a shitty review, I'd probably read that on the air too. Uh, if you have any questions or feedback, you can email the show realtalkpersonalfinance at gmail.com and we will be coming to you again soon. We will see you in the next episode. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys.